This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're here with Nick and Bob. How are you doing today, Nick? A rainy day in California, which usually does not happen out here. So as I pulled up to my place on this crazy rainy day, guess what song was playing on the radio? Um, Umbrella? Ooh, good guess. Purple Rain by Prince. So uh, we're, 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 we're in the same genre right there. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I can't think of the word I want to use. It was a combination of refreshing. And also, like, damn, this was a crazy, weird day. Um, I got to be honest with you. I, there are aspects about telehealth physical therapy that I don't love. Um, I don't love the lifestyle as much. I don't love how it tends to be a little bit more sedentary. Um, but at the same time, I know that we're getting great results for a lot of awesome patients. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as in person. But, again, we've already had this talk. And it's uh, – it's really rewarding and meaningful still when I, you know, I'm a guy of results. So when we get patients that come back and say, hey, I'm 95% better today. And by the way, this is like the second or third visit. Dude, that feels huge. Yeah, wow. So it's been like a week since we talked, and there's a lot that's been progressing. So is most of your caseload telehealth now? Because I know previously you mentioned that you still had some, like, in-person cases. Yeah, Bob, I'd say it's actually um, – on my end of things, it's actually stayed, I can't talk for anybody else, but it stayed the same since we last talked a week ago. We're at Kaiser, we're 90% telehealth. Um, you know, I've pretty much only got, I think, like two to three um, post op patients on my Kaiser schedule um, that are in person. But then over at my other job, we're certainly reduced um, caseloads for sure, but we're still seeing people in person. Um, so I've probably got uh five or so people each day in person and the rest of telehealth okay interesting so you're figuring out that telehealth is not your favorite but it still can work it, like it's selfishly for the lifestyle i mean i enjoy um physical therapy where i'm up and moving with the patient right um yeah. i can kind of go through that process for kind of my my own body um so egotistically um selfishly for my own movement practices that's one of the reasons i dislike it more Okay, interesting. So, what's, what's new out that way for you, Bob? I mean, you guys have been going through your online classes. You've been trying to figure out is clinical a thing or not a thing. What's, what's going on? Oh, yeah. So, so, most of the classes are remote now. Um, personally, I like it more than in-person learning. Um, more so because when somebody, like, talks very slow, you can speed the person up. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I get you on that. I do. I, I listen to – actually, it would be interesting – calling out the people who are listening to this episode for what speed y'all listen to. Um, you know, I usually listen to my podcast at like 1.5. Like I'm usually like 1.7. Then like, okay, let me really sync and savor this and listen to it. I'm like 1.4. Yes. So, I mean, it, it really depends. Like if, if the material is like re- repeated, it's a lot better to just speed it up and get it done. Um, than having the professor just talk about it over and over again. Um, <laughs> but that that's experience so far, like, grade-wise, I've been doing well. So initially I was a lot more nervous about how, like, studying was going to be. But um, right now I'm pretty, like, sure I got this in the bag. So um pretty confident on that end. But it, it's very interesting. 
Um, so one thing that I would like to talk about today, and also we had last week's just accountabilities, um, just reading the the essays, just finish that. We can do that in a bit. But um, today, do you know who John Kuginski is, the, the guy in the office? Say the name again. Uh, John Kuginski, John that, that That sounds familiar, but I'm not placing it, Bob. Well, so he's like a guy on the office that like oh, – Okay, um, which, which, which student is he? What, what guy? Uh, Jim? Yeah, oh, yeah, Jim. Jim, okay. yep. now, so now, I, now I know. See, Bob, like, I feel like the, the guy that plays Jim, John, whoever, I feel like he's in, like, some other, like, spy thing or whatever, or, like, some weird Secret Service show. And, like, any time that characters, like, in those kind of shows that are so prominent get played in, like, other roles, like, I just can't separate it. Like, when uh, Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs, I was like, hey, man, I just keep thinking of him from that 70s show, and, like, the roles did not line up. Okay. Yeah, I think um, he was in the show like Jack Ryan, like John Kuczynski. Um, but basically, That's what I'm talking about. Yes, but basically he started like a YouTube channel just recently, and basically it's called Some Good News or Good News Channel or whatever. But basically the general premise is with all this like negativity and fear and everything in the world going on right now, he wanted to have like a news outlet or just a YouTube channel just spreading positive news. So it's like episode two right now, and I watched it. It was very positive. I, I cried. It was <laughs> very um, emotional and happy. Um, and, and I thought that was a good topic today. I was like, what can we do? Maybe more so as a physical therapist. And I, obviously, I'm not a physical therapist right now, but to spread positivity and joy to patients, to, to the people, to the community. Um, like, People have been like clapping for doctors and all that, just to, to bring um, joy and, and and invigorate them. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Have you feel like you've been doing anything to to add joy to your patients in this time of fear, um, or, or do you feel like you have been doing that the whole time? I mean, I, I feel like I have. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter what I say. It's what my patients say about me, right? Um, but, but that part of it aside. Um, what I think, I think I've been doing a decent amount of that consistently. Other than how I spread the joy for my patients is I'm just crazy sarcastic all the time, Bob. Um, and I think you know that about me a little bit. Um, so I can be, a, I can be a little guilty of that, but man, they soak it up, they love it. I'm just joking back and forth with them all day, and that that holds true over telehealth too. And I think something I'm trying to do is we live in a time right now where people have such lack of discipline, such lack of other structure in their life. I'm letting myself be there for them, not just as a physical therapist, because I totally am, and that's obviously my predominant role, but also in terms of, hey, how can I help you with um, other aspects of your life right now that, by the way, are also factors of your healing process? Uh, I mean, there are even a handful of um, patients or clients, Bob, that I very explicitly even use the language of, hey, I don't really care what you're doing necessarily. What I really care about is that you understand your values and are your actions lining up with your values. And I feel like I know them well enough and intimately enough to, to call them out on that and say, hey, this is far more than just about your knee. This is about the totality of your life and these defining moments where you're going. Okay. That's good. No, that, that sounds awesome. That sounds very empowering. So uh, maybe, maybe the pure joy and hope for them 
is a combination of either the time spent with me in sarcastic jokes or the relief and elation they feel when I hang up the phone or telephone conference and video and we're done. Well, I, I mean, I, I think personally, I, I would uh, enjoy the sarcastic nature of you more. Um, but no, I, I can see that. That's very, that's very like personality, especially from like therapist wise is also like a big contributing factor of if patients come back or not. Um, like if you're just dry and boring, it's, even if you like know everything in the world, it's like hard to build that therapeutic alliance. Um, but that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then I will say like, I've reached out to like past patients who have discharged too and stuff or like other people who, you know, have said, you know, I'm not really about the telehealth thing. I said, okay, cool. Even if we're not doing that, even if we're not doing a paid service, can I still be of help to you or your community? Um, so I think it's all about just letting people know that you care, that you're not just, you know, one more person in the business trying to say, hey, listen, I know that our business is struggling. I know this, that, and the other thing I need to get my numbers up. It's not about the numbers. It's about the impact you want to have in the community and the numbers follow. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, like, clinics and things like that, so today I just got confirmed for my clinical. Nice. Uh, so, well, I'm going – well, they assigned me, so the company assigned me to my CI and all the people in the location I was going to. Um, but the whole, like, clinical, the whole clinicals is still, like, pretty shaky because some of my friends have their clinicals completely canceled, so they have to, they're struggling to find new places. Yeah. Um, also, so, Bob, where, where are you um, planning to go? Like, what's your company? What's your clinical? Tell me about your CIs. I'm curious. Um. Well, I just looked them up for like a minute, but it, it's, I'm going to Spear Physical Therapy. It's in New York City. Um, right. Yes, they have like 15 locations in New York City. Um, I'm somewhere downtown, um, and and I think my my CI's he's he's relatively new, um, but he's he's certified in he has the CSCS. Is he is blood flow restrictive restriction certified? Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I know a lot of IC alums that go work and work at uh, Spear. So yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. So that'll be a, a good experience. We've got a good track record there, and they it seemed like a fun place to be. Yeah, no, that's it's exciting. So and Bob, um, I mean, you you have a unique opportunity with them to uh, bring your pelvic floor and Pilates experience to their clinic. That that is true. Um, actually, I heard when I was walking, when I was walking in the city the other day, they actually had a spear physical therapy that I walked past and they were specifically marketing pelvic floor and Pilates. So there you go, my dude. I, maybe I'll fit right in, but, um, <laughs> but right, what were you going to say before I so rudely interrupted you? Well, no, that that's, um, that's basically where the clinicals are at. So I'm excited to see if hopefully clinical should still occur. If, if the college decides uh, that all summer activities will be postponed, then all clinicals will just be canceled. Um, so that still could be a potential possibility. It's interesting. that That's the news for Ithaca College side of things in the PT program. And, Bob, how are you, my friend, spreading, good. spreading, spreading good news? What, what are you doing in that realm? That's a good question. Um, so, I haven't really been doing spreading any good news. I've been just keeping to myself. Spread um, the, the virus to anybody else. So, uh, did you, do you have a virus? I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> hopefully not. Um, I mean, I I am I was in a hotspot area. 
Um, and I was taking the trains a lot uh, before the the social distancing rule, but there, I'm pretty sure the coronavirus was rampant before that. So who knows? Maybe I do. Maybe it's just I'm just asymptomatic. So that's that's uh, what's going to happen. Um, so, so I also would like to get to the essays. I don't know if you would like to hear them or give me your opinion or, or some critiques. I would love to hear them. Okay, perfect. Also for the residency essay or the scholarship essay, um, it's for the same like company, the McKenzie Institute. They have a scholarship portion, which was my accountability for last week. Um, coincidentally, I could use many parts of the residency essay and mesh it into the scholarship essay. Um, and the board that's judging both is different, so it's 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 good because I feel like I have everything I want to say and need to say in my residency essay. So just catering it to the scholarship essay really made it easy and, and efficient. Um, if you have a product that's damn good, why would you make a second grade product if you just use the same thing again? Exactly. Yeah. So um, last week I read the first prompt. Um, today I'm going to read the next few prompts. So prompt them, the second prompt is what attributes and experiences make you the best candidate for consideration to participate in this residency? So during PT school, school I co-sponsored and hosted Part A. This was a unique experience that I spearheaded. I worked with the McKenzie Institute to facilitate this opportunity for other students to learn about ending. It was so rewarding that I experienced my peers getting excited about a message that I completely believed in. As previously mentioned, there was a Part A course that was hosted at Clinton College. But to become a co-sponsor again, I had to start the process from scratch. From meeting with my PT program director, to finding the appropriate patient, to coordinating with the instructor and Cindy, while worthwhile, it was an arduous experience. Timeline-wise, because there was a lot of pushback from my PT department, it took a whole year of meetings and emailing back and forth until my school was able to approve Part A and the course was set in place. While the process of getting Part A to my school wasn't without mishap, it was completely worth it as an instructor and the course fully exceeded my expectations. It made the year of planning pay off. Five light patients were bought in and treated on the spot. I was completely engrossed by how the instructor performed his mechanical ex exam. What he was demonstrating just made sense to me. One of my peers who attended told me that everything he learned about McKenzie up to that point was wrong, and the, McKen uh, the misconceptions of MUT really were just misconceptions. After taking the course, I just wanted to share everything I want, everything about what I learned with everyone. Um, in my program. Of course, I am well aware that not everyone that walks through the door is a simple arrangement and there are non-responders to MDT. But I know that MDT would be able to help many people if they were just given a proper mechanical exam. To further share this content, I even set up future Part A courses at the college so this knowledge could be shared with future PT students. After Part A, I attempted to set up a Part B course at the college because many of the students that took Part A with me also became passionate about MDT and wanted to learn more. Unfortunately, Part B was unable to be hosted due to complication with the college's schedules and COVID-19. I think it is a rare occurrence for a student to take initiative to set up a post-grad course, especially when there's so much pushback from the school. Nevertheless, pushing for Part A and B um, in a higher education school system and at least being able to host one shows tenacity. I believe my determination translates to patient care and it is very important to push for the best quality of care even when there are times when the healthcare system pushes back. I know this is something that the McKenzie Institute 
values, especially in their trained clinicians. My past few clinicals have shown me what variety of experiences and opinions there are of MDT. When my clinicals had PTs perform mechanical assessments consistently, that clinic also showed me that it was possible to get patients better in six to eight visits, if not less. At another clinic, I had therapists tell me that McKenzie wasn't going to work for everyone and that it wasn't as great as I thought. I learned there are different opinions around MDT, but I think what sets me apart is that I value keeping an open mind. I take the initiative to be proactive and seek more information so as to not be subjected to the biases of others. After taking part A, I listened to the Mechanical Care Form podcast, watched mentoring webinars on the McKenzie website, and read through the McKenzie te textbooks just to get more exposure. One of my professors would always put a picture of Einstein at the end of his lecture with him saying, as I'm continuing to question and learn more about MVP, I'm becoming more and more of a believer in this tradition in its use. I believe that performing a proper mechanical exam is different from what the traditional healthcare system is used to and for the better. In addition, I enjoy problem solving and thinking through patient cases to optimize outcomes. And that parallels with MDT's values. My experiences with MDT, both academic and professional, demonstrate that I'm proactive as I approach problems with open-mindedness and audacity, which exemplifies why I'm the best candidate uh, for consideration for the McKenzie Residency Program. That was prop number two. I like it, Bob. Also, as a, as a side note, I'm, I'm curious. Um, how are the the 150 eggs? Oh, let me. Uh, all right, let me give an update because that that that's good. Cause this was a. Uh, Do we have our podcast last Tuesday? Yes, we did. Okay, let me open the fridge here. I have. Uh, da, 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 four, carry to 12, round to 80. I have 59 left. Yeah, 59 left. Okay. So around 90 in a week. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, I'm just going to read my next part. Um, so this is just like what additional information, what do you like to, what do you like us to know about your experiences, personal, professional, that you like to, to help us know you better? So being a resident in a remote residency program comes with its pros and its cons. But as a resident, like I previously said, I would like to start my own practice, a private practice, and this residency program allows for the flexibility to work at a clinic with an OCS clinician, work as, at a side hustle practice, and be mentored by a certified MDT clinician for 150 hours elsewhere. Another great aspect of this residency is that I get to have check-ins with Josh to follow up with any questions that I have. The most important thing about this residency is that I'm the one who made the decision to apply for. Previously, I was doing physical therapy for other people, but now I'm doing it for me because MDT is something that excites me. As I mentioned before, I had a poor understanding of what physical therapy was during my first few years of school. To be honest, my mom told me to go into physical therapy, so not wanting to disappoint my mom, I went to college for physical therapy. I went, to, I went to an accelerated six-year program straight out of high school. I was very book smart. I managed to trim down another year of physical therapy school by using all of my AP classes I took in high school. There I was getting my doctorate of physical therapy in five years while not knowing what physical therapy really was. I was just going through the motions. I memorized information to get that 4.0 because the decision to do physical therapy wasn't really mine. I just wanted to finish physical therapy. Uh, the physical therapy program as fast as possible to make my mom proud until that one day I was able to treat that first patient by myself. Although I now know that was a relatively simple arrangement, it gave me the epiphany that sparked my passion for MDT. 
Physical therapy was something that now I wanted to do for myself, and I was further invigorated to learn more about MVP, the best optimized patient, optimized patient outcomes. That's when I found there was a McKenzie residency program, and I made this decision for myself and went all in. I was finally able to commit to things that I wanted and be myself as Bob Chang. So that was the, the portion of what additional information would you like to include? Um, and I feel like that really sums up everything of why I want to do a pro, why I want to do a residency program, what sets me apart, like we talked about in the previous episodes of like the, the actual tips and tricks for the residency. You know, I like it, Bob, because you were very transparent. You're very open. You're honest. The previous responses, the previous two, you gave your passion. You gave your excitement. And here you reference it again, but without the need to overlap information, you're saying, hey, this is what I want for my career. These are my previous misconceptions and inadequacies. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but that means, okay, here's where I'm going because of that. Here's the context of my story from pre- and here's where I'm going post-residency. And the run through you've already heard about why it'd be a good fit for the residency. Yes. So that's the third one. Do you want me to still read the fourth one? Oh, yes, I do, Bob. Come on, man. You can't load all bases and not have a grand slam. Perfect. All right. So the last prompt is how do you envision your future contributions to the McKenzie Institute and the physical therapy profession? Huh, you were going to skip that one? Okay, please. Yeah, read it out, Bob. Let's hear this stuff, man. I'm excited for you. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, so I envision myself contributing to the McKenzie Institute by pushing for increased awareness of MDP in the general public. I plan on doing this by starting my own private practice and using my private practice to further educate and market MDP to the public. But my experience, it is not uncommon when treating a new patient that they've already gone to physical therapy once or twice before, most of the time without receiving a proper mechanical assessment, which may lead to more effective treatment. I believe that when patients walk through the door, they still have the hope that they're going to get better, even if they've already been to a few PT facilities. I find it frustrating that patients are less unaware of different physical therapy treatments within PT. A patient's experience can vary greatly from clinic to clinic, which can potentially set the patient back because for some of them, MDT can be that solution. If there was a less of a disconnect between the general public's knowledge of MDT and what MDT can do for them, I know it'll be able to help I know it will be able to help some of these patients who are still looking for a treatment that works for them. That's why I believe it is my job as a future private practice owner to market MDT as a new opportunity that can provide hope to these patients and potentially give them the results they want. I feel that the physical therapy profession as a whole does a poor job marketing itself. For example, for at least half the time I was an undergrad, I couldn't put a definition on what physical therapy really was. I have been to business conferences and taken marketing courses, and I know that marketing is a strength of mine. People like Gary Vaynerchuk, Russell Brunson, and Seth Golden exemplify what the physical therapy profession should be practicing in terms of marketing. With, a strongly, with stronger marketing techniques within the PT field, there will be a bigger push for people to understand what PT and MDT actually are, and I feel that that is what the PT profession needs to grow and expand. After going through the residency program, becoming credentialed, I would like to undergo the diploma program to turn my future private practice into a certified McKenzie clinic. I believe that is the best way to give back to the community. I also will provide free seminars, webinars, and marketing events to further make this information more accessible. In addition, I will plan to co-sponsor more courses in the air to expose other less aware clinicians that they teach. I admit that I may sound a bit naive with this. 
But I know that the process of starting a private practice is not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. I know that it will be a challenging journey, but it is something that I'm passionate about and ready to take on. I understand the hard work involved in building something new, and I understand the realities of failure. I've started my own fitness, online fitness coaching business and YouTube channel, and they both failed. But what I now know that I, what I know now that I didn't know then was that while I was driven to initiate these projects, I didn't have the drive to follow through with them because they didn't embody what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Well, MDT does. I believe starting my own private practice to advocate for MDT and using it to treat patients will be worth the risk because MDT is something I 100% believe in. I know that MDT will make an impact on the community around me. There's a saying of, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that the McKenzie residencies, mentors, and other faculty members will further help develop my expertise to spread the value of MDT to the public. Starting my own private practice and sharing it with the community is how I envision myself giving back to the McKenzie Institute and the physical therapy profession, and I know I will. Whew. That was some reading there. What are you feeling, Bob? What are you feeling? I feel like I'm making um, the right choice. Like, these words feel true to me. So, I remember, like, uh, a few episodes back, we talked about, um, like, the sunken ship fallacy. And you, at the end of one episode, you were like, it's time to jump ship uh, for, for, the, for the online coaching, whatever, the online coaching business. Uh, because I said that, where, where do I see myself envisioning? Where do I envision myself with the future if I kept on doing this? And I said, I'll be honest with you. I feel lonely. And then you said, it's time to jump ship. Um, and I feel like with this, it's, it'll be different. There'll be there'll be a community. There'll be something that I'm invigorated by, um, and I feel like this is where I want to go. That's awesome, Bob. And I know that again, whether you want to be, I I, I err on the side of slightly ballsy, but I'll let you decide. I would err on the side of when you talked about, hey, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I want to just talk about how they, being the McKenzie Institute um, for Mechanical Diagnosis and Treatment, are going to get you far. But I'd be ballsy enough to put in there that you'll help carry this community and be a strong member of this community and be explicit in that language, too. Now, whether you, whatever you put has to be authentic to who you are. But you say whatever you mean at your truest, Bob. But I know that you're going to be a major contributor this profession and again to this treatment model and way of approaching things and you know it, I get excited when you talk about hey people have been often been to physical therapy before and failed I get excited by my main role in physical therapy in the future being potentially a business owner being um, somebody who is a strong mentor in the field other than who also takes on the patients that hey whether it's physical therapy, chiropractic, massage, um, me other medical management, but they failed practices before. But they failed practice by good people. I want to take on those cases. That was because I want to inspire hope. And that's my role. And that's what I get excited about. And so I'm glad that you're finding and beginning to find your thing and define it for yourself. And for you, it might even be more powerful because for so long, you were kind of just attached to, oh, your mom said do this and do that and that, and you did it and you're successful and you're good. 
It was never fulfilling. It was just something that you did. Now, this is something that has an essence of you in it, Bob. I'm excited for you to pursue that. Thank you. I, I appreciate the support. Um, now, now I, I have a question for you, Bob. Yes. You mentioned that for a while you didn't know what your definition of physical therapy was. What is your definition of physical therapy? I so I mentioned this in the in the pre, like a previous episode, but I would say physical therapies physical therapists are number one. Um, forgetting about all, like all the musculoskeletal stuff, that they're first the a dealer of hope. So they give hope to the people that walk through the door. Um, and the second one is they optimize movement and function to get patients back to doing what they want and love. That's that's my two definitions on how I would put a physical therapist. I like it, Bob. I like it. So, and you you mentioned your definition of what physical therapy is as well. Um, would you mind just reiterating it? Absolutely, and it it changes all the time, and it changes all the time because I continue to evolve my practice, evolve the role I play in patient lives. But for me, it really goes with the role of it is inspiring hope. It's inspiring hope and empowering people through movement variability and movement resiliency. Because ultimately, we are the masters, the professional carriers of movement, of movement science, and integrating that into life and integrating that into function. And does that mean that we all do the jobs at Heck now? We're nowhere close to where we need to be. But in my mind, we're still the best out there. And in my mind, we need to have the hunger and have that student mentality of always getting better at it. And that's where it is. We're, we're the combination of where healing meets the bridge of science and the bridge of the person. Okay. Um, I like that. I like that. So, I, I mean, we talked about this, but, but why don't you think there's a unified definition for what physical therapy is? How many different outlets for physical therapy are there? I mean, we have people in pediatrics, geriatrics, working in oncology, sports, ortho, neuro, all these bases and all these different people in it. I think naturally we don't have a pure definition for it because anytime you try and put people like us or our practice into a box, there's always someone in the group that says, oh, wait, I do more. Oh, wait, I do this. Or I do that. Or I do this. And that's awesome because we're, we are so adaptable based on our nature and based on who we strive to be and for our patients. At the heart of it, it's involving integrating movement and it's changing fear from action to empowerment. And it's doing that through movement variability and movement resiliency to be ready. To be ready for life, love, pursuit of happiness, whatever it is that lights you up, we're going to help you on your journey, and we're goal setters, and we tackle obstacles with you. And that's what we are. That's what we do. Okay. So how do – here's another hot seat question. How do you make sure that physical therapists, if they follow that creed, if they identify with, with that, how do they make sure that they're constantly doing that with every patient? So let's say, like, it's it's right after lunch. You just ate a big meal. You're feeling a little sleepy. Um, your next new eval comes in. How do you 
keep that there? It's a great question, Bob, because again, bring it back to practical. You got to reset. You got to reset before every patient, between every patient, every patient. Even though we get in our tendencies, we get in our our brains are always on autopilot so much of the time. And that's not inherently a bad thing. There are certain things that we can and should and need to be an autopilot on to function. But I think it needs to start with you reset, you clear your mind before each patient. You do your work, you prep, you see what's coming in, even if that's, hey, it's a, a knee eval, and you just see that and see the quick form they fill out for two minutes before you see them. That's fine. You get yourself mentally in that mode. Other than you listen to them. Not just for their needs, but you tap into where their fears, where their aspirations, where their goals, where they're trying to get out of it, what's worked for them in the past, where they failed at. And then to get into can we transform some of their extrinsic motivation to intrinsic motivation and doing that in the first few sessions. And so I think if we tap into their greater meaning, if we tap into their context, it's much easier not to get lost in that swarm, lost in the tendency of, oh, this is an ACL, this is a certain diagnosis. It's about integrating into that person's life and allow it, not solving the problem for them, but allowing them the opportunity to set it up, to scale it, to do that 10 dominoes in a row so that when they themselves, you kind of lead them and force them into a corner to think that one thought, the, dynamo, the, um, the dominoes go, and at the end, they have their big aha moment, and that's what they latch on to. And so I think it's setting the stage for that and allowing them to have their own epiphany and kind of bring them to that. And a lot of it, Bob, is that motivational interviewing combined with our anatomy or physiology knowledge and integrating that. And in my mind, that's how I stay sharp with really getting at patients' beliefs, their understandings, and again, how we can integrate it. They say something, why? Why do you think that? Or they say, oh, I, uh, you know, um, I have this back pain and everything, and if it's been happening for um, nine months on and off, and then a month and a half ago, I got this kind of weird, like, neck pain. Simply ask them, do you believe the neck pain is related to the back pain? You're not telling them yes or no. You're not spending the time teasing it out yet. You will. But it's getting at their beliefs and their understanding so that you can change their belief system. Because, Bob, you have to connect first, and then once you connect, you have to change their belief system. If you don't change their belief system and they live in a world of poor beliefs, you're never going to be, your expectations are never going to be aligned with their expectations. And if your expectations are never aligned with their expectations, you will always achieve less than ideal. Sometimes that falls in the realm of satisfactory for the patient. Sometimes that lies in the realm of unsatisfactory. But if those things aren't aligned, you're never going to achieve optimal results. Interesting. So, well, do you feel like that applies to every single patient that walks through the door? Like you getting aligned with, with uh, you could say like their wavelength with the motivational interviewing, all, all these things that you just mentioned. Mm, good point about the way you say wavelength. Um, so my short answer is yes. Do I have to mimic a patient? Do I have to say, um, you know, let me change my body language? No, let me be my authentic self. And maybe I'll take a step or two closer to what they're doing. But sometimes people need contracts, right? Sometimes people who are kind of, you know, out of it, you need to know what that spark is to get them out of their current mindset to bring them into a new one. And for many people, sometimes that's more gradual. Some people need kind of a, 
a sharp change, they need contrast to see that. Um, so I think that we, to answer your question more directly, we always have to integrate it with their life and their beliefs. Do we always have to use those exact words to get them there into that? No, we don't. Oh, okay. I like that. This is a great, I think this is a pearl for me, at least, to take away. Um, and, and for the listeners, just thinking about um, when you're doing that eval with the patient. Um, it's, it's, thank you. I appreciate these, these calls uh, because I learn a lot. Whenever you speak from your experiences, um, I get to take away tidbits and apply to my own practice. So thank you, Nick. I appreciate that, Bob. And know that it's uh, know that it's mutual. Know that I learn from you all the time too. Um, know that even the process of thinking through it in different ways is enhancing my reflection and clinical reasoning. And know that again, this doesn't come innate to me. It's um, it's learned, and it's learned through great role models, great mentors, great examples, and it's learned through just taking the time. And sometimes our greatest mentor can be ourselves if we just take the time to stop and reflect. I like it. So I think that's also a great place to put a pause on this episode. This episode has been very scattered everywhere uh, for me reading to my face to, to us talking. Um, but since the last few episodes have been also pretty long, um, I think this is a great place to end. Now, ability like wise, um, now I, I like to do something that's been on my like to do list for a long time, which is finish the laundry. Well, no, I'm kidding. So, not really. Uh, Laundry-wise, I've been doing it consistently because uh, nice. of the coronavirus. Um, gotta, gotta keep me clean, you know. But, <laughs> uh, something that's been on my list is to finish reading the McKenzie textbooks. Okay. Uh, specifically, like, the low back pain ones, which I have on me right now. So there's two textbooks. I finished reading half of the first textbook, and I want to just finish reading the first textbook in a whole. Um now, Bob, are these books that are designed for patients or designed like full textbooks for clinicians? Uh, they're for clinicians, full textbooks for clinicians. Nice. Um, so that's, that's what I want to do for accountability-wise. Um, now, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm saying that I'm doing it, but I want to have that like intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation that we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, but extrinsically, I don't know how to, like, prove it. Does that make sense? And sometimes you don't always need to. Okay. okay. And, and sometimes it's just sometimes having the intention behind it and taking action on that intention is, while we can't always prove, you know, is it 90% of this or 95% of this, it's about moving yourself in the right direction. And, Bob, you're taking action right now to move yourself closer to intrinsic motivation than extrinsic. And that in itself with follow-through is success. Perfect. I like it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for the confidence that you have in me. Thank you for your mentoring. Thank you for everything that you're doing so far. Hey, thanks for your friendship, brother. It's going to be uh, one heck of a journey, and I already have that. Yeah. All right. I'll see you next week, then, Nick. Next week, Rob.